Welcome to the Sin Job Pod. This is a podcast by young people from Sin Media. On each episode, a new Sin volunteer will speak to a media or creative industry worker in their field of interest. They'll discuss how to get your start in your chosen industry, the ins and outs of job hunting, and pro tips for landing that dream gig. Do you want to get your start in the media industry? Become a Sin volunteer today. Head to syn.org.au forward slash get involved to find out more. Welcome to the first episode of Sin's brand new job pod, a podcast for young media makers to pick the brains of people in their industry of interest. My name is Imogen and I am the executive producer of Artsman and here on Sin. I'm here with journalist, podcaster, writer, producer, all-rounder, Rachel Fountain. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Hey, Imogen. Can you describe your journey to becoming an executive podcast producer at the ABC? Yeah, I can. It's got a few twists and turns in it. I um, Do you want me to go all the way back to kind of like yes, uni, school, whatever? That would be great. Would that work? Would that work? I'll try and keep it interesting. Um, So basically, what did I do? I finished high school and I kind of got uh, better marks than I thought I was going to get. So I enrolled in to study law and a dual degree in law and uh, international relations. And I got to uni and I was like, oh, this is not working for me. I just wasn't into it. Uh, And so I dropped out. And I kind of worked for a year and then just went back to uni and studied what everybody had kind of suggested that I go and do in the first place, which was journalism. So uh, I studied a Bachelor of Journalism at the University of Queensland. And while I was there, I um, did a lot of work experience. So I kind of did an internship at the newspaper. I also did um, I did a heap of uh, unpaid work experience at this community station called Switch FM in Brisbane. And that's where I'd go in at, like, you know, what was ridiculous o'clock to me and read the news for free and, you know, learn how to do all that kind of stuff. And that was my first taste of radio. And, and it was great. And I kind of learned a bit about radio. Um, we'd, our stories for, at uni, for at UQ, would end up on um, 4RPA. I kind of got that taste of radio really early in audio. And then when I finished my degree, I just left, went overseas for a while, and I I kind of just worked in London in a publishing company doing absolutely nothing journalism related. I think I was working in the advertising production part of it. And then I came back from London, totally broke, and moved in back home with my mum up in central Queensland, got a job at the paper. And then I walked into that newsroom. I think I was getting paid like 30 grand a year for that first job and I loved it. It just felt totally right. I was working with other journos and from there that led to my first job with ABC. So there was an AB, a job going at ABC in town, which is like a digital media job and I worked and I got that. So I got like a contract at ABC and then a few months in, they were like, here are the keys. <laughs> I still remember the boss was like, here are the keys for presenting Saturday breakfast tomorrow and I was like, what I was so I can just remember being so nervous and before the show and during the show and probably for the first couple of years I would get so nervous that I would break out into a cold sweat every time I had to do anything live um and then yeah it just went from there I kind of presented a few different shows at ABC and I got really lucky I, I moved around a bunch of different places with ABC just wherever a job came up I would kind of go and do it And I worked in a heap of different regional towns. And when you're in a regional spot, you just get to do 
everything. So you get to kind of read the news, present a show, produce a show, manage the station. And yeah, I did that. And I kind of fell into producing and that's how I worked out. I was working over at ABC in Perth um, and producing Gillian O'Shaughnessy, who did um, the afternoon show there for a really long time. I just worked out that I loved producing. It was my true love and I really enjoyed it because it was a heap of the skills that I, that I really that really lit me up so it was kind of writing and working with people and you get to be funny but you don't have to get that incredible um the exhaustion of being you know fronting things on the mic right so because sometimes you can it, it can feel and for some people that's that's the right that's the right path heading down you know presenting is what they love but yeah so I got to I worked out that that was what I loved I went on to produce a heap of different shows in a, at a, in a heap of different time slots in a heap of different places and then I, a job came up with ABC Audio Studios, which was like the then newly minted ABC's podcast unit. And, um, and yeah, I, it was to produce a show called, the, the first season of a show called The Pineapple Project. And so I came aboard and Monique Bolley was the executive producer of the show. And Kelly Reardon was the head of ABC Audio Studios. And they kind of hired me to do this short-term contract. And then the Pineapple Project, we, we worked on it. We worked so hard on that show. And I learned so much about episodes and, you know, how important it is to have, um, to have a brief for every episode. And, yeah, we basically, that, that show kind of grew into this juggernaut. So I ended up getting more jobs in producing and kind of extended that time that I was with audio studios and then worked on a heap of different shows and different genres and then, yeah, worked my way into becoming an executive producer. Wow. I love I love your story. I love the um, the role of regional radio. I think it's really important in the industry. It's also really important within society. And I think reg- regional radio does not get enough um, <laughs> attention. Oh, uh, you know what? It, it honestly was the making of me as a journal. I, I really had to, I learned so much. Also, I made a lot of mistakes. Radio audiences are forgiving. If you if they know that you're trying your best, it's the same as podcast audiences. Like I think people can sense your authenticity and also your sense of humor <laughs> if, you, if you're lucky enough to have one. So, yeah, I, I have been really lucky. I worked really hard as well. But, um, yeah, I've, I've had a few lucky breaks and I've had a few really great mentors who believed in me along the way. Definitely. I think... The overnight's host said that his long-term listeners were his colleagues. Yeah, um, yeah. I love that idea of it, that the audience and the host are more like colleagues or the audience and the team are like colleagues together. It's so nice, isn't it? And that's how you feel. You feel like you're talking to your friends. Yeah, definitely. So would you say um, getting the keys to the ABC radio um, on that first day, did that, did that first attract you to a Korean radio? And is that when you realized that it was possible to pursue a, um, a Korean radio or were you just more like, oh, this is just another gig? I don't think I realized the significance of it at the time, except that like my body was like going to shut down over <laughs> because I was so nervous about it. Um, I think I, I had always, I'd really liked working in radio, but I actually, I think I always thought I'd be, I'd be writing and I didn't realize, I didn't recognize that there's such a huge role for great writing in great radio like you cannot separate the two there's there's great stuff that happens off the cuff but all the I think all the best stuff in in all audio happens off the cuff after you've prepared to be honest so yeah I think that was probably the first step Imogen and um and I don't reckon I realized at the time how lucky I was to kind of have that opportunity forced upon me yeah I mean it's an amazing opportunity to have forced upon you (laughs) 
<laughs> and you said that you dabbled a little bit in community radio with Switch Radio. What were some of the most valuable lessons and experience you had during that time? Oh, the mic is always on. I can remember that was the first time that I'd been around and I think somebody kind of left the mic on for a pretty personal conversation, not mine. Uh, but I think I learned that once every year or so. It's like there, but for the grace of whatever. Also just the beauty of having an audience that is reactive and engaged. And it was the first experience that I'd had where I've really felt like there were people there listening. And look, I mean, it was community radio at 4am or, you know, 6am. So were they listening? I don't know. But, um, but it was that first sense of going, oh, okay, I'm actually, I might actually be doing this for people and for a reason. That's fantastic. I love that too. I love when people reply back to you or you say something on air and then like you get a message about it. You're like, oh, there are people out there. I love it. It's this. wild. It's wild, right? It's so, it's so cool. Especially community radio audiences. They're so loving of the show and they're so supportive. Yeah. Which is they're, fantastic. They're so passionate. Like you think about the sin audience and um triple z in brisbane like that those audiences are you know that's that's why they that's why they support it because they they see it they see a place for it and they see how important it is i think people feel a relationship of community radio so is the abc exactly exactly the abc has a very a very strong audience um what are some of the key challenges you have faced throughout your career either broadly or specific to podcasting hmm um, I think if, if I look at podcasting really specifically, I think the challenge is always, it, it's always, and I've gotten much better at it, but how to prioritize your time. But I think that's any industry. I think it's especially journalism and media. Um, but yeah, just work coming in and going, okay, well, I know I've got all of this stuff that is the really important stuff, which is the, the, podcasts that we're making it's content it's writing it's making sure that the facts are verified and it's making sure that the people who are working on it are being taken care of um, and also that they're being inspired to do a good job uh, and then there's all the stuff in the background which is like admin and sounds really and sounds really boring but it's also super important because you know there's a pandemic if you haven't done a risk assessment and somebody gives somebody COVID or you you know you haven't you're driving a long distance and you know yeah you haven't factored that in it's 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 all the stuff that sounds like it's going to be mind-numbingly dull so it's working out how to kind of do all of that stuff and then also knowing how and when to let go of things that you love um so there might be jobs that you know jobs or shows that you just love working on but you know that it's time for you to move on to something new I find that that's always been pretty tough but it's always a bit of a it's it's quite a relief when when you finally work out oh, okay good it was good for me to let that go other challenges just the the enthusiasm curve and when there's a big dip in it so I am so lucky I've been able to work on like dozens I guess of different podcasts and in that time you come in with a new idea for a season or for a show and there's this incredible time where you're throwing ideas around you're you're basically you know you're iterating you're working out all the different ways that the show could go and um there have been lots of times where so I've worked with Monique Bowley who built a bunch of the shows at Mamma Mia and then is an executive producer at the ABC as well and so she and I've been so lucky that in that 
we kind of have been able to iterate on a bunch of things and we would write together and you kind of get so excited about this new idea and you're sketching it out and you've got episodes and, you know, you can basically taste this thing. And then you kind of get to a point where you're, you're, you know, you've had it commissioned and you're a little way into it. And all of a sudden your energy for it, you start thinking this is the worst idea in the world. This is like, what have we done? We've thrown all this time after this idea. It's terrible. In this case, we're like, we, we try to make things that will have an audience and we're like spending taxpayer money to make something for Australians, right? So we're like, oh my God, what have we done? We've gone up this huge, into this huge wormhole and it's nowhere. It's fighting through that moment of difficulty. That is always a huge challenge and being able to go, okay, no, let's go back to the brief. What were we trying to do? Did we do it? Are we off track? Can we just can we just mold this a bit and bring it back to the brief? And or do we need to spike this and kill this darling? It's always hard to know kind of which way to go when you've when there are competing when you're when you're working on deadlines into budget. I think that's always one of the toughest things is that idea where you go into a wormhole and you've done all this research and you just realize it's just not a good story. Mm. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. So yeah. devastating. You try to make fetch happen. Exactly. You're trying to make fetch happen. Ira Glass has this comment and it's every week he's walking through the rain and he's trying to look for a lightning strike. (laughs) (laughs) And I find that just so interesting because it's so true because like you're trying to look for that lightning strike, but you're just like surrounded by, yeah, your thoughts in the rain. Oh, that is is so true. It's a very, very apt way to put it. As someone who's an executive producer who has two very successful shows, The Pineapple Project and... Um, days like these what skills and experience are you looking for in young people who want to pursue a career in podcasting and do they have to be journalism students great questions no they don't have to be journalism students and it depends unless it's for a show which requires that kind of journalistic bent in which case yes so it depends on the show but um you have to have an editorial integrity but I mean there are shows where that wouldn't require necessarily a journalist to put them together so I've worked in a bunch of different roles actually on a show called Mindfully so I've EP'd that I've worked as a producer on that and that's a show where you would need to have a good sense of the audience and a good you'd need to have editorial nous but that doesn't mean that you'd need to be a journalism student at all I think that heaps of times you just have to have a really good understanding of of truth and of story so yeah or if you're working on something which is like a fiction podcast or there's so many cases where you're like and a lot of producers as well don't come from journalism backgrounds which is totally fine and great because there's lots of shows and podcasts that don't require you to have that kind of um that kind of experience um what are we looking for in produce in producers? Absolutely, someone who gets the importance of story, who is great with feedback and and seeking feedback. It's so important, and somebody with ideas and who ideally is fantastic is is great to work with. And that doesn't mean you have to be like Mister or, or Mister or Ms. Cool. Like you don't have to to be the coolest person 
in the, in the, you know what I mean? Yes. In, in fact, I like way better to have somebody who's kind of, I don't know, self-effacing or, um, you know, a total nerd about something and, and loves that. So I think as, as long as the person is really great at taking feedback and, and wants to be better and, and to kind of have that, it doesn't hurt to have audio chops. So if you're somebody who's edited a couple of podcasts or, you know, has just taught yourself or learnt at uni or um, TAFE or wherever, then that's great. And also somebody who listens widely and can talk about what they like and and why they like it. I really love the notion that you don't have to be the most extroverted person in the room. Mm. I usually like Mr. and Mrs. Cool in the room and the loudest and the funniest person, but it's more about absolutely. Yeah, it's totally about the ideas. And and do you have a passion for it? Are you are you really hungry for the work? That's that's another thing as well that that I'm always like, yeah, I think people who think differently are really just they're worth their weight in gold they're people who have ideas are worth so much more and you also want somebody who is kind of keen to make things I don't know it's like an under who have to have it immediately but they have to understand that they're making something for an audience of people and to just and it's really great but the more you can do to kind of go all right if somebody's thought about who the audience is of a show that I'm hiring for, that is always the biggest, biggest plus. Definitely. And definitely in podcasting where it's niche audiences. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to young people who feel passionate about podcasting and want to pursue that as a career? Um, and what advice has someone given you in the past that you have really taken on board? When I have been stuck in that kind of story hole or the enthusiasm hole, I remember we'd be be kind of trying to get a really sensitive episode of something up and we'd be going through listening parties and and just like feeling like we kept trying different ways to put this episode together and it didn't work. Great advice from my old boss, Kelly Ridden, actually, is hold it lightly. Just like you all are so passionate about this and so close to it but you just need to you just need to hold it lightly right now just you know care about it put in all the effort but then you can if you if you don't hold an idea or a story or um you know an episode lightly sometimes you can strangle it and your everything becomes too obvious and you it feels like you're banging your head against a wall so that's good advice always go back to brief this is like I will bore you and bang on about this forever but certainly this is and these are pretty micro tips but when you're making something, always know what it is that you're going to make and then go go back to your brief for that. And if you're brief for it, it's a wild, wild, unscripted six-hour talk fest, then that's what your brief is. Volunteer, absolutely volunteer. Community radio is awesome and community radio is community podcasting now as well. Make something, have a go at it. And also email people, call people. They might you know they might say to you look I don't have um I don't go for coffees or I don't really have time for that but I'm really happy to give you a couple of tips on something and just seek feedback all the time and listen super widely and then as the the more you have an idea of your own tastes the better would you recommend listening closely to other podcasts and other shows and see and see how they do it and then kind of mix that into your own your own style that's what they say, steal from the best, right? So it's, yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, that currency of ideas is the most incredible thing and it will, it will always be a thing. So listening, listen out there. And when, you, when you're listening, use your critical ears, listen as just an, a listener who's enjoying it, but listen for things like, um, oh, you know, how have they cast this show? wonder how they made that decision. What's the format of this show? Is it a question, an explainer, or is it fiction thing? 
just have a think to yourself about how, always be asking yourself how that sausage is made, which can ruin it for you, but also doesn't always totally like listen to things now where I'm like, oh, that is so powerful. And if a story has power or if an idea has power, it will always, you know, that'll always win out. Definitely. An example for me is actually from days like these um, where the episode about the plane almost crashing and or the plane did crash and about the two, the pilot and the older men um, on that plane together. And at the end, they have a phone call and the phone call is just so anticlimactic, but it's so gorgeous in the same way. You expect it to be this really raw emotional call, but actually it's just kind of like the awkward kind of middle-aged older man. Kind of <laughs> chat that's going on um, and that's such a beautiful story and I find it so interesting how you can tell that story from like two different perspectives but yet you're just using their sides and it's it's beautiful yeah yeah well thanks for saying that that's one of um, Patrick Abood's stories and it is called Speedbird 9 that episode it is yeah it's so it's yeah so we we always try and have a surprise for the listener in in days like these because of its format and its length and in that one yeah you are like you already know that the plane doesn't crash because these two guys survive right but your heart's in your throat a bit it's pretty if you've ever been on a plane it's kind of uh, it, it's relatable and you're hearing their experiences and then they get together at the end and yeah that's the that's a spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't heard that story but but it is yeah so we had to work out and Pat did an incredible job kind of bringing them together and he did surprise them both with that phone call and then you expect it to be this super moving moment but actually it's just two old dudes and the captain's like ready to go out for dinner and <laughs> yeah. you know, he's in England somewhere it's so like I'm cringing thinking about it but yeah but it's so sweet. And I think that's down to like production values and also the surprise element of it. It's so cute. I was like, oh, I was just doing my job. Yeah, that's <laughs> just, like, I didn't accept the praise. <laughs> it comes from, you know, iterating and, and kind of working out different stories. And Patrick, Pat Abort is a master at that. Like he's so, he just, I think is so, those good reporters and producers are so empathetic and they're just always thinking about what this is like for the listener, what this is like for the people involved in the story. And, and yeah, he's really, really amazing at that. He just comes across the most incredible stories and people want to tell them to him. Where would you say podcasting fits inside the ABC and where do you see the future of podcasting within the ABC and going forth in the future? Oh, that's a big question. Like, um, is it, is it its own entity or is it still kind of like under radio, would you say? Hmm. Okay. Um, it is, uh, that, that is kind of a watch this space, I guess. I think that what we do know and what the ABC absolutely knows and the the Australian audio industry knows is that podcasting is a thing and that the audiences for it are increasingly big and so the ABC as an organisation right needs to it's actually one of its core values is to be making stuff for the audience and to add also to reaching that audience making it diverse so the ABC knows I guess that podcasting is a way to do that and actually part of the new five-year plan digital finding on-demand audiences is a really big part of that so I guess there's a bit of work to do between kind of having those broad goals and then going okay well we're gonna we're gonna roll in we're all in behind this format which is not just a new thing anymore it's in pod 3.0 and there definitely is obviously you know we're, we're still making some a, a bunch of pretty great digital first shows so I, I think it's yeah it's watch this space really and 
I think you'll keep seeing great podcasts from the ABC. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. It was fantastic talking to you. Forward to seeing what future work you do. I look forward to the next season of Days Like These. But thank you so much. And I'm sure everyone has got got really valuable insight from you. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sin Job Pod. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To hear and see more great content by young people, follow at Sin Media on social media or head to syn.org.au. Do you want to volunteer at Sin? Head to syn.org.au forward slash get involved to find out more.